What's up everyone? It's me AJ and you're listening to Housewives Happy Hour and it's time for the ultimate breakdown. Welcome back everyone to the ultimate breakdown. I'm starting with Atlanta today. So a couple months ago or I think a couple weeks ago I had told you guys about this lawsuit that Nene Leakes is starting with Bravo. And actually in it, there's something to do with how, you know, I guess Kim had done some racially offensive things or comments that she had said perpetuated some stereotypes or whatever. Um, And I'm talking about Kim Zolciak. So um, Kim Zolciak-Bierman is breaking her silence over the lawsuit that Nene has with Bravo. So in this lawsuit... Like I said, Nini has claims that Kim has made some uh, offensive comments, perpetuated some stereotypes during their time on The Real Housewives. In addition to that, um, this lawsuit says that Kim used the N-word to refer to Nini and other cast members. Nini also claims that Kim implied she used drugs and that her home was a roach nest. Um... Nini also added that Bravo didn't take any meaningful action against Kim and instead rewarded Kim by giving her family a spinoff show. Now, um, two months later from when this all came out, Kim basically addressed everything with, you know, her opinion on Nini's lawsuit while appearing on The Nightcap with Carlos King, which is a new little spinoff show with a producer, Carlos King, who used to be a producer in Atlanta. Um, So Kim said, she knows what she's saying is not true in regards to me. That's ridiculous and she knows it. So I'll deal with her when she's done with Bravo. You can't say things that are not true and try to defame someone. Um, And then Sheree also chimed in saying, somebody said you were just together on stage saying how much you miss each other. And then Kim replied by saying, come on, Sheree, we never know who we are going to get. I never know if Nini is going to be nice or she's going to be mad. I never know who I'm going to get that day. So I do feel bad for her. Um, Kim also said that Nini still follows her on Instagram, so she isn't that mad. Um, okay, so something I've just noticed over the years is like, I mean, the whole lawsuit with Nini, I mean, I, I don't really know what went on behind, behind closed doors, so I can't speak for that. I mean, Nini and Kim, like, they kind of went back and forth for years. Just, I mean, they were close and they weren't close. They were close, not close. I think it's one of those relationships between them that's like kind of sisterly in a way. And um, I think they get each other because they're very, they're both very similar. Um, you know, the way I see it, they're both really similar. Um, like I said, I don't know what went on behind closed doors. I can't imagine Kim even saying anything remotely like that because she's always been so, so, um, I mean, let's just say like, in my opinion, if there were to be a white woman on that cast, I feel like Kim was that lady. Like, I feel like she just, she really held her own on that show she, um, you know, she was on a long time, I think five years. And then, you know, she got her spinoff show, um, which I watched and I enjoyed. Um, I, I always enjoyed Nini and Kim together. I thought that they were like a dynamic duo. I thought they were kind of like the Vicky Tamra, um, even though they fought a lot. I think that, you know, it's when you, sometimes you like, you, you know, you enjoy watching the feuds and sometimes you don't. And their feud was always one that I think that was just super entertaining and, um, I mean, they badmouth each other. Like, the, I've seen interviews with both of them where they've both said things. But at the end of the day, I also see clips of them, like, hugging and, and hanging out. And they do follow each other on Instagram. And I don't know. I just feel like it's kind of, it's one of those things where I, I can't really say, you know, 
that I think one's right or one's wrong. But all I can say is that from what I've noticed, I've, I've never seen Kim do anything like super terrible to Nini that is just like, uh, you know, whatever she's claiming in this lawsuit with the whole N-word situation. I can't make that out. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just unfortunate. And I hope that they can kind of mend their friendship. And speaking of lawsuits and Nini, um, <laughs> Nini is actually currently being sued by the estranged wife of her current boyfriend, Neoni Sela. Oh, oh my God. Neoni Sela Sayo. I hope I'm saying that right. So according to TMZ, um, Nini was served with a lawsuit claiming that she engaged in an extramarital affair with Sayo and broke up their marriage. Sayo also con- uh, claims that Nini's very prominent social media presence, which includes Photos and videos of Sayo has caused her emotional distress, humiliation, and the loss of affection for her strange husband. She is seeking $100,000 in damages for the collapse of her marriage. And in North Carolina, where the lawsuit was filed, this is a legal reason to sue. Nini has obviously denied the claim, saying she's a husband stealer. Um, and she said, there's a lot going on in the world. I'm already out, out here a husband Wait, I'm already out here a husband stealer, and this is too much. Ain't nobody out here stealing husbands, are they? I would never. Meanwhile, the daughter of Nini's late husband, Greg, is throwing some shade at Nini's latest legal drama. Katrina Leakes claimed on Twitter that Nini allegedly started seeing her dad when he was married as well. Um, She said, "So, so was my dad Greg when she met him, but I digress. Um, and the tweet also read, Nini, you know that man was married. She also joked about Nini's claims Bravo blacklisted her from working in Hollywood, noting that Nini did the same to her own family. She said, I find it funny how folks want to claim being blacklisted, but they did the same thing to their own family. So again, <laughs> I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I know that Nini can be a little, you know, erratic at times. And I mean, with everything that is going on in her life right now, I'm... I don't know. But um, one thing I will say is like, I don't know. I mean, Nini was with Greg for a really long time. So I have a really hard time believing that she stole this husband because I don't know. She was very much, very much so like at Greg's side, like during his passing, uh, as far as I know. But I don't know. Like, I just, I know it's just crazy claims. But um, yeah, definitely interesting. Moving on over to Beverly Hills, I have a recent interview that Megan McCain did with Carlos King on his podcast, Reality with the King. Now, I know you're probably wondering why that pertains to Housewives, but anyways, um, so apparently Megan McCain and Erica Jane are really good friends, and she recently revealed that they have a special connection, noting that Erica is her personal friend for real. She said, we text and FaceTime. She's a wonderful person. I know everything everyone has to say. I know everything. And I don't care what haters have to say. She came on The View and performed on my birthday. She's a wonderful person. Had the pandemic not gone on, she was going to perform at my baby shower. She's one of the first people I told I was pregnant. She's a lovely person. Um, She also went on to explain that she and Erica bond over being hated. She said she knows what it feels like to have the world... Or have the world feel your whatever, crazy dismissive and things. I adore her. Like I said, she has such a good heart. I knew shit was coming down with her before the press did. She was candid with me. We're real friends. I will ride with her forever. Um, (laughs) She also touched upon Erica's legal woes by saying there hasn't been a trial. She hasn't been charged yet. Um, Megan also, sorry, this is just extra tea, but... um, 
She also commented on Jen Shaw's legal situation. She said Jen Shaw is allowed to just traipse around, do a reunion where I didn't think her feet were held to the fire in the way that they should have. She's going to go to the New York District Court attorney. I actually texted one of my girlfriends who works for Fox News, and she's a lawyer, and she says these charges against Jen Shaw are no joke. She was like, it's absolutely no joke. The level that it's rising to, and if these people were involved... Um, you can't obviously convict anyone until there's been a jury, but it's bad. It's very, very, very bad. And I felt like the media and the fans have really given Jen Shaw a pass. Um, Megan also believes that Erica was given more intense scrutiny by the public and Bravo fans than Jen. She said, I thought it was kind of bullshit. And um, she went on to defend Erica and said how fantastic she is, which seems to get overlooked by Bravo fans. She said, I never understood why people think she's so icy. Maybe it's because I'm very similar. I'm not best friends with everybody. I keep my social circle close. I trust who I trust, and I don't think anybody should necessarily have that kind of agency over you, especially in times of crisis. Um, She also said, I know she was drowning for a long time and just trying to stay above water if it comes out in court that she has done something wrong, fine. But until then, I'm on her side. Erica is an actual friend of mine. I cannot express to you how kind she has been to me, how loyal she has been to me. She is extremely politically savvy. We talk about politics all the time. She watches cable news and she's always freaked out about different things that are going on in the world. I really like her and I don't like people being mean to her. Maybe I'm just going to die on this hill with my other controversial women. I think Erica is so controversial because her, you know, like, I mean, Megan's obviously right with a lot of different things, but... Her iciness is there, and I feel like I've always liked that about her. I thought it was, like, a great attribute for our Real Housewife, and it it was definitely something we needed on Beverly Hills the season that she came on. I believe it was season six. So going back to season six, when Erica came on, it was, like, this, like, fiery personality, not afraid to say anything, um, not afraid to stand up for herself, and, um, and, you know, stir up a little drama every now and then. That's what we wanted, you know? And I think, um, I think over time, that can come off as almost mean girlish. And I think, I think Erica's starting to kind of become a, like portrayed as as kind of a mean girl. And so I think that's why fans are not as you know, uh, like she's scrutinized. Basically, I think that's why she's held to such a high standard is because you know she has been on for a while now. But um, at the same time, I think that um, she's being portrayed more so as a mean girl now. So I don't know. I mean, I, I've always thought that Erica is really great for the show. And I'll probably give you guys my full opinion after the reunion and let you guys know. But, um, you know, if if the fans... Well, I, I definitely think she's going to be back unless something crazy happens. But, you know, it's it's kind of one of those situations where unless she does something really, really bad, I think she's going to be on for a while because she brings in ratings. Um, if she's talked about on social media as much as she is, she's definitely going to be on the show. So moving on from that, but still on the topic of Erica, I have a few interviews that she did just this past month. Um, she was on an episode of Us Weekly's Getting Real with the Housewives podcast where she dished on her hot and cold relationships with um, Garcelle and then also with Sutton. So um, she reacted to the upsetting friendship woes with her and Garcelle. Um, You know, 
Garcelle unfollowed Erica on Instagram while filming season 12. Garcelle later made a shady quip about Erica saying, I don't have to make you look bad. You can do that on your own while promoting her book. So Erica said, when Garcelle came to the group, I was really excited. And she even said Erica was the most welcoming. It's upsetting to see that Garcelle is resistant to what I've been trying to say and has gone the other way. And that's her opinion. And she has every right to do that. But I have every right to feel how I feel about it. Um, when it comes to Garcelle's comment about Erica looking bad, Erica said, I was just asking her if it would be convenient for her to stay. Erica has a problem. Meanwhile, Erica... Uh, well, I'll, I'll discuss my opinion on that in just a minute. I'm going to tell you what she said in this other interview. Uh, she addressed Sutton's gold digger diss in a separate interview with um, E! News. where um, So basically, Sutton claimed that Erica was searching for a sugar daddy while insisting she didn't need to date rich men because she's wealthy enough on her own. And um, er Erica said, good for her. I don't either. And if that's what I wanted to do, I would and would have already done it. Believe me, I've been offered. But that's not where I am at in life, to be perfectly honest. And um, as for her dating life, she did say I'm available. Um, okay, so circling back to the Garcelle thing, it's still playing out. So it's still like, in my opinion, it's still too close to say who I'm on, whose side I'm really on. I will say that this past week on Beverly Hills, I think that Erica was trying to be too much of a peacemaker when she's not really in a place to be a peacemaker. Um, and I could see why Garcelle was getting a little frustrated with her. Um, personally, I really like Garcelle because I feel like she's definitely a straight shooter. Erica's a straight shooter too, but I think she has too much of that icy personality like we were just talking about and it can come off as mean girlish so i don't see garcelle being a mean girl at all i feel her that her actions in the group are very straight shooter and um i mean shady at times but we all love a good you know shady housewife every now and then so um i mean i think erica's answer is you know pretty much it is what it is that's that's basically what i took away from it and as far as this whole sutton thing um I don't really know, I mean, like, I don't understand why she's holding such a grudge over Sutton. I mean, I I know that Sutton asked some tough questions on her last year, but, like, come on. I mean, she, Sutton's trying to ask the questions that we're all still wondering. And um, Erica is by no means exonerated from any of this, so I don't know. I mean, you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> Moving on from that, I was listening to Teddy and Tamara's podcast, Two Teas in a Pod, the other day. And I heard some nice, you know, resolution was, was made with Teddy and Lisa Vanderpump, actually. And I, I didn't really know, like, why they were really feuding or why it was that big of a deal. But I guess the whole Puppygate situation, like, was, I, I don't know. Like, to me, I just kind of forgot about it. But anyways, um, Teddy basically said, we had a nice conversation. We were respectful to one another. I haven't talked to Lisa in years. The last time that we had any conversation was not good. And according to Teddy, she um, first approached Ken and asked him if he would, it would be smart to try and clear the air with Lisa. Surprisingly, Ken gave Teddy the green light, which is when she approached Lisa. And Teddy said, ultimately, we just went through it. It was mainly like all the things we probably would have said to each other at the reunion had we had the reunion. And Teddy said that both she and LVP understood each other's points about the Puppygate drama all these years later. She noted that Lisa revealed that both... Um, both Johns from Vanderpump Dogs no longer work for her. And she added that she and Lisa are healed-ish after spending 40 minutes chatting. However, she doesn't think that they will be grabbing lunch anytime soon. 
Um, I I do remember, remember I, I forgot to take notes on this, but I do remember that Teddy had said something along the lines of um, that LVP was upset that all the Beverly Hills ladies keep saying that, you know, Lisa will never come back to the show. And, but, but I, I remember her telling Teddy, like, you know, why would you say that? You know, um, it's a great platform. I think it's a great platform. And so, I don't know. I mean, hearing her say that, I'm kind of thinking that she might want to come back on the show. But I've told you guys this before. I, I don't know how that would go. I really like Vanderpump, and I think that she's, you know, definitely born for reality TV. But I like her more on Vanderpump Rules than I ever did on Housewives. If you don't watch Vanderpump Rules, you're definitely missing out. It's a great show. So, um, with that said, I think that that wouldn't be a great idea. <laughs> So Crystal was on a recent episode of Watch What Happens Live, and she has made amends with Sutton on this past week of Beverly Hills. However, on Watch What Happens Live, she hinted that Sutton told a much darker story than the one she shared on Beverly Hills. So it turns out that the pool story that was like the multicultural pool story wasn't the comment that Crystal had an issue with during their 2020 cast trip to Tahoe. Um... Crystal said, well, that story was not problematic, to which Andy asked, there's another story? And she said, look, Sutton and I know what was said, and we've spoken at length about it, and she has apologized to me privately and publicly. Uh, The conversation was a lengthy one, and I'm choosing, and I've chosen back then to believe in her apology and to move forward, and that's who I am, and that's what I want to do, and I believe in apologies, and that's where I'm at. So, like... (laughs) What's what's crazy to me is like, you know, when it was finally revealed this multicultural pool story. Now, I didn't I didn't take any issue to that, but that doesn't mean that, you know, it, it like I didn't I didn't really perceive it as problematic or offensive, but I you know, if somebody else did, I can't control. I can't tell them how to feel. Now, what I'm confused about is if there was something else that was really that bad or came across as dark or problematic or whatever crystals you know, whatever words she's using to describe out of her dictionary. If it was really that bad, do you guys really think that Bravo wouldn't have pulled out that footage and shown it on camera? I think not. So I'm choosing to believe in Sutton and um, I, I, I really don't believe Crystal in this situation. I really don't. And I know that a lot of people out there don't either because there's polls everywhere and all of her social media. I was just seeing people saying Crystal is just making shit up. And um, I... I I don't know if Crystal's just one of those people that really like wants to have the last word or wants to feel a certain way about something, but I don't know. Like it's, it's not really like I'm kind of bored with it now. So I'm, you know, I'm, she's going to have to grow on me a little bit. Cause I, I do think she has potential as a housewife, but this is kind of annoying me now. Like I went like when, you know, when it got brought up at the, you know, in the, in the cast trip to Mexico, I was like, okay, I, I mean, like, I get that she's frustrated with certain things, but I mean, this is just like, it's too much at this point. We don't need, we don't need to keep talking about it. It's almost like the Elton John table thing that happened at the beginning of the season. I was like, okay, we're done talking about this. It's annoying. I don't want to talk about it anymore. So that's how I kind of feel about this situation. And speaking of Crystal, she has been sharing some kind of cryptic messages on Instagram lately. And it's usually around the time that the episodes are about to air. And I don't know if necessarily they're you know, accurate. I think they're more so like trying to get, she's trying to get like, you know, interest in watching the show and getting ratings up, which I guess is good. But she did post a selfie of her on a private jet saying, don't underestimate me. I know more than I say. I think more than I speak and notice more than you realize. 
She also posted a picture of her on a staircase in New York City and said, sorry for the mean, awful, accurate things I said. Um, <laughs> so Garcelle has commented on her the private jet photo and said, what's with the cryptic messages? And then Sutton also said, like, who's going to win the World Series? Um, so obviously they're making fun of her. Um, yeah, I, I don't get the cryptic messages either. I think maybe she's just trying to gain attention or something. I, I don't know. It doesn't really make any sense. So that's it for Beverly Hills. We're moving over to Jersey. This has been such a rumor for a while, but I do think that it could potentially happen. So I'm going to share it yet again. Um, according to a new report from Bravo and Cocktails, producers are planning to bring back um, Caroline Manzo to film at least two scenes for the upcoming seasons with her ultimately having a sit down with her former friend and co-star Teresa. Uh, the source revealed producers are trying to get Caroline Manzo to make at least two appearances this season. First, a meetup with Dolores to talk about Teresa, and then a sit-down with Teresa. Between Dolores and Caroline posting that pic a few months ago and getting fans excited, Teresa getting married, which will likely feature Dina. The source also explained that the drama will be intensified as New Jersey newbie Danielle Cabral is stepsisters with Caroline, Dina, and Chris Larita's niece. So producers feel that this season is the perfect time for Caroline to step in and that negotiations are happening now that filming has already started. However, Caroline won't settle for less than 100k for each sit-down. Stay tuned for Old School Jersey um, could be coming back. So I have said this and I'll say it again. I think it's a great idea to bring Caroline back. Um... I think the the dynamic of having her back, even if it's a couple episodes and then maybe she's a friend of, somebody to put Teresa in their place, somebody who's not afraid to stand up to Teresa um, and could kind of put, not put her down, but like, you know, stand up to her in a way. I think that would be great. I'd love to see it. I'm open to it. And if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, you know, oh well. So in a newly released video from TMZ, Joe Gorga freaks out on one of his tenants for allegedly not paying rent for the last four years. And it was a showdown that occurred on Thursday in New Jersey where profanities and accusations uh, were coming from both directions. So Joe's lawyer, Peter Reagan, W. Peter Reagan, claims that the tenant owes nearly $50,000 in back rent. However, said tenant claims that Joe received a chunk of the back rent from New Jersey's COVID relief program. While Reagan confirms Joe received $40,000 in COVID rental assistance from the state, he notes that the tenant hasn't paid rent since October of 2018 and still owes Joe nearly $50,000. As for why uh, Joe didn't kick the tenant to the curb sooner, Joe's rep Mike Martocci says um, Joe felt bad for the guy and didn't want to evict him. However, he's now had a change of heart and has filed eviction papers. Meanwhile, the tenant claims that he lost his restaurant job during COVID and is trying to get back on his feet following the pandemic. Um, you can watch the video on my Instagram it, or, or TMZ, wherever I have posted it. Um, so, like, after kind of doing, like, a little bit of research, I was kind of more so on Joe Gorga's side because I'm like, look, we're, like, I mean, we're two years away from the beginning of the pandemic and, um, you know, I know better than anybody because my business was closed for almost a year, um, eight, no, nine months. And, um, I mean, it's hard, let me just tell you, but we didn't get any COVID relief assistance, whatever that, I don't even know what this rent assistance thing is. All I know is we had to pay rent the entire time, even when our business was closed 
for our business as well as our home. So, um, I mean, if he's getting COVID assistance, I'm doing little air quotes. Um, that's great because I, you know, we never got any of that over here, but, um, without getting too, um, too into, um, you know, COVID and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I just want to say after doing some research, I was kind of more so on Joe Gorga's side because I, I, I mean, obviously you shouldn't have that kind of reaction and, and you know, everybody reaches a breaking point. I get it, but he was a little aggressive. So uh, I will give him that. I think it was, it was a little aggressive to come off that way. He obviously knew he was being filmed because, you know, his face is clearly there. And at one point he begins filming the other guy. But, um, I mean, he's pissed. I would be pissed too if I was owed $50,000 or whatever. So, um, yeah, I'm a big believer in, you know, like, I I feel like we should all, you know, do our best to work, work our hardest and and not try to take advantage of people. And, um, you know, it's clear that this person is... You know, it's it's blatantly clear, actually, at least to me, that this person is using, you know, or taking advantage of Joe Gorga, thinking that he has all this money, which, you know, I'm sure he's he's definitely wealthy. But um, at the end of the day, like, you know, bills have to be paid. I get it because I have bills to pay, too. So I get it. And closing off with Jersey, after Ramona, you know, leaked the information on uh, Teresa's wedding, um you know, it was basically revealed that Margaret scored an invite to Teresa's upcoming wedding in August. And when asked if Margaret's invite was a sign that Teresa was in a good place with her, she replied yes. And this was on the red carpet um, of the MTV movie movie and TV awards unscripted. She revealed to Entertainment Tonight that she's um, she is in a better place. She said, maybe she's on the list. What do you think? And Louis chimed in saying Margaret is a good person. So, um, I, you know, I guess we can say that they're probably going to make a Benz this next season, which I think will be good because I feel like they didn't get anywhere at the reunion. <laughs> Moving on from Jersey, I have one quick thing to share with New York. So, uh, page six revealed that Luann and Sonia have scored a simple life-esque reality show. Uh, Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton infamously starred in Fox's The Simple Life from 2003 to 2007. A source close to production reveals that the TV show will take the glamorous gal pals from New York City and move them to middle America to mingle with the regular folk. Paperwork for the show is reportedly signed. Sonia and Lou are set to begin filming the show in July, and the show is still technically in development, but it's considered a lock to get greenlit any day now. Um, This is Luann's first spinoff show. Um... And actually, it's Sonia's first spinoff show, too. Sorry. Um, Bethany is actually the only other New York housewife to ever score a spinoff show. Uh, Bethany Ever After and Bethany and Frederick. Excuse me. Sorry. The source explained that Luann and Sonia, of course, will be their fabulous selves, and each episode will have them interacting with locals. They don't know the locations yet, but it's going to be somewhere like Kansas or Nebraska, not some hipster southern town. And executives have been holding locations, even from the gals, until the last minute. And the source also added that there will be around 10 episodes with some celebrity pop-ins, and it will either air on Bravo or Peacock. I'm assuming it's probably going to be Peacock. And Luann and Sonia are also expected to be a part of Legacy for Roni, so I guess we can watch out for that, too. Moving on over to Salt Lake City, just one quick thing to share. So many Bravo fans have enjoyed Hulu's The Housewife and the Shaw Shocker. Um, but Jen Shaw claims that she will never watch the documentary. So she was on a recent episode of Up and Adam Alive with host Adam Newell on YouTube. 
She said, I saw little tidbits here and there, right? But the documentary itself, I didn't watch it because, first of all, they didn't talk to me. They didn't bring up, they didn't bring on credible sources or any facts or evidence pertaining to what I'm going through. And she went on to call the investigative program TV tabloid trash, insisting that she has no interest in ever watching it. Um, she also added, that was my perception of it because I knew it wasn't based on any facts, so I didn't watch it at all and my family didn't watch. Meanwhile, in part two of the interview, Jen opened up about her legal troubles and why she seriously considered adding Kim Kardashian to her legal team. She said, I'm fighting for my freedom. I'm innocent. I'm not guilty of any of these charges that I've been accused of. I'm innocent. So Jen is facing federal charges of money money laundering and conspiracy to commit wire fraud as part of a nationwide telemarketing scheme. She was arrested in March of 2021 and pleaded not guilty to the charges. Um, she said, to me, this is the only option for me is to fight to show everybody out there who was so quick to jump on the bandwagon and make assumptions that, you know what, I'm innocent. You fight to vindicate your name and your family's name. I'm fighting for my family. Uh, she also added that she wasn't joking when saying she wanted Kim Kardashian to be a part of her legal team. I was being very serious when I mentioned Kim because I respect Kim for the work that she has done. I'm grateful for the work she has done for the black people that have been wrongly accused, that have been imprisoned, that she has fought for, that she has lobbied for, that she has gone to the White House to fight with alongside their family to get people out. These are people that should never be up there. She took time to do that, and I, I respect that, and I look up to her for that. She noted that she has the utmost faith in her legal team right now. She said, if you do the right thing, then eventually the right thing is going to happen and you will be blessed. And I don't know why I'm going through this or my family's going through this, but I don't question a lot. I don't question God's plan. There is a reason for this. And I just feel like I need to set an example for others that you fight. You fight your ass off for your freedom. I think she's definitely setting an example. But let me just say this. I watched the documentary and the documentary, granted, didn't give like a lot of information on her case but it gave a lot of information on cases like like this because this happens all the time and um let me just say this i do think that she isn't being scrutinized enough because i think that it's a very serious thing to be federally indicted and um you know it's it's very different from the whole erica thing and i know Excuse me, I know this is talked about a lot, but it's it's very different. Now, Jen is being federally indicted, whereas Erica is not. So, moving on from that, I think that, you know, granted, she has every right to fight for this case. I don't think that she should not fight. Um, however, going out of her way to campaign and doing all these interviews saying I'm innocent and claiming that you want Kim Kardashian as your legal team. I mean, first of all, with, with Kim Kardashian, let me just tell you, Kim... You know, if you don't watch the Kardashians or you don't pay attention to them, Kim has actually done a lot of great work for um, for people who have been wrongly accused. And I think it's kind of, you know, it, it's kind of funny that that um, that Jen is being like kind of coy about it and saying that I, I want Kim on my team because Kim, like, you know, as as funny as you guys think that, you know, she is or whatever, I think that she's, you know, a really smart girl. She goes, you know, to bat for a lot of different people and you know, she's, you know, on her way to become a lawyer. I think she's doing a great thing for a lot of different families. And um, I think we need this to play out before we bring in Kim Kardashian here. I think the evidence is going to come out as soon as the trial begins. Once the jury is there, they are the ones who can decide. She, you know, I mean, once the trial is started and, and I'm sure it's going to be completely public and filmed as much as like this Amber Heard and Johnny Depp case was. 
So then we can start making our assumptions. But from from what I can see so far, I think that it's 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 very serious that Jen is in this situation, and I think it's funny that she thinks that you know she's it's on this whole campaign of I'm innocent, and, you know I I'm I'm going to be a part of this demographic of people who are wrongly accused. So I think we should give it some time. <laughs> Moving on over to Vanderpump Rules and closing out with Vanderpump Rules, Stassi shared some new insight into the incident that actually got her and Kristen fired from Vanderpump Rules two years after the fact. So she revealed that she and Kristen weren't the only Vanderpump Rules stars involved in the racially charged incident against Faith Stowers that ultimately led to Bravo firing them in uh, June 2020. Um, On the Skinny Confidential Him and Her podcast... She said, I mean, the cast members I'm friends with, everyone was there. I mean, they witnessed. Lots of other people were a part of what went down. She said, there were more people involved in the incident that I was fired for. And Kristen and I, obviously, we were not going to take these people down with us. So we were like, lucky you guys, those of you who didn't get called out for this. So everyone was pretty kind because I think they were feeling lucky that they didn't, that they still had a job. Um, Bravo kicked... Stassi and Kristen to the curb after they came under fire for calling the police on Faith in 2018. Faith was the only black cast member to appear on Vanderpump Rules. And uh, Stassi said there was an article written and they had a tip line number. Um, She believed in her soul that the woman in the photo was Faith. Uh, Kristen and I thought that we did our due diligence. We acted on gossip and that was the problem. I did not witness anything. Like, I didn't witness Faith doing anything. And that is truly the biggest lesson. You can't go accusing people of things that you've never witnessed before. Um, I um, I wanted to share this just because, like, I'm still new to, like, all this tea of, like, why they left. And so um, I just wanted to kind of share you guys the update with with that i i think it's great that stassi's like taking accountability for it and i think that you know like like she said like she could have gotten other people fired as well because there were other people that were there but um i think that's why you know a lot of the stars haven't really spoken out about it as much um because because basically what stassi's saying but i think it's unfortunate how it all played out but um i think that it's important it's like stassi said and it's uh the biggest lesson is that you know uh, she acted on gossip and it was wrong, basically. So Katie Maloney recently revealed on the Bachelor Happy Hour podcast that she's been on a date since announcing her breakup from Tom two months ago. According to Katie, she's not trying to get a boyfriend. However, she admits that she's does that she does like going out and flirting. Um, she added that she's looking to meet new people in real life and not on dating apps. And in a separate interview, she uh, slams claims from co-star Raquel that she and Tom are making the Pump Rules cast choose sides amid their split. So Raquel told Page Six, I feel like with Tom and Katie, they do expect people to pick sides. Unfortunately, it has changed the dynamic. It seems that way anyway, even though I'm friends with both of them. And when asked who has applied the pressure to the group, Raquel wouldn't say but noted, personally, I don't get that vibe, but Sheena does, so you should ask her. Um, Katie reacted to Raquel's comment under a post on the Pump Rules Instagram fan page where Katie wrote, We literally told them there's no sides to pick. I have felt that some people have on have on their own done that for whatever reason, but Tom and I are still friends, so whatever. She later insisted that there's no reason for Pump Rules cast to feel torn or that they have to pick sides. Okay, I don't know about y'all, but like, <laughs> the way that like, immediately when I was like when i read the headline that katie and tom were getting divorced 
tell me why I like automatically thought, oh my God, Katie's going to make everybody pick sides because that's just totally her personality. And I, I know she's claiming right now that she's not doing that. And so I'm going to give her like the benefit of the doubt, but, um, I'm still going to be where like, I, it's going to depend on what this next season brings, but like, I'm, I already have it in my mind that Katie is going to make people pick sides because she's like super just, I mean, I feel like her history on the show speaks for itself. Let's just leave it at that. Well, my friends, we have reached the end of the ultimate breakdown. I hope you enjoyed it. Here is your flash filming update. Atlanta is currently still airing on Sundays. Beverly Hills is airing on Wednesdays. Miami is currently still filming. New Jersey is currently still filming. New York um, has yet to begin filming, but I am hearing that the casting for the upcoming season, uh, not the legacy season, but the, the upcoming season, the casting has been submitted to Bravo by the casting agency, so it is in Bravo's hands now. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. I, I wouldn't expect to premiere this year, but um, you know, I'm sure next year, late next year. Um, Orange County is, I, I haven't heard any rumblings about filming yet. I am, I am hearing that they are potentially bringing back one, uh, OG. So I will let you guys know if I hear more information on that. Potomac is currently still filming and Salt Lake City has wrapped. We should be getting a premiere late this year. Dubai is currently still airing on Wednesdays. It's great. You should check it out. Vanderpump Rules is currently filming and, uh, Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip Season 2, Ex-Wives Club, will be airing on or streaming on Peacock starting next Thursday. So watch out for that. It's going to be a great June 23rd. Mark your calendars. I'm hearing that they're going to release the first three episodes. That's what they did with the first season. So definitely going to binge those the first night it comes out. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in and I will talk to you soon. Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you know when the new episodes arrive. If you have any news to share, feel free to message me so I can talk about all your favorite tea. Follow me on Instagram at Housewives Happy Hour with AJ for updates on the podcast and the latest news regarding all things Housewives. Until next time, this was Housewives Happy Hour with AJ.